Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. In media, amongst friends, family, we always have these conversations around money, right? And how much that plays into all the relationships in your life, be it with like romantic partners, friendships, parent-child relationships, you name it. So this week, that's what we're going to sit and break down. How much does money matter in relationships? So to start off with, let's ask everybody, yes or no, does money matter in relationships? This is Shishti, your host, by the way. Hi, this is Rohita. Um, I think I think it shouldn't, but it's very easy for any everyone to take that position because it's kind of like moral high groundy. Practically speaking, it does very much matter. Hey, it's Carla. Um, yeah, of course it matters, and I think it matters most significantly because money affords somebody power, and so an imbalance in the amount of money in a relationship ends up equaling an imbalance in the power dynamic um, in some ways. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. And I think what we can tease out and what we want to do in this episode is just maybe go through examples of different kinds of relationships and break down the context in which money matters and how does that really manifest and how do you kind of deal with that. So to start off with, let's talk about this scenario, which I think we've seen in pop culture a lot. Um, which is of like a cishet relationship where the woman earns more than the man and it makes things weird. So do we think money is the problem there? I think one of the most recent depictions of this is um, Tom and Shiv on succession. And there's an added dynamic there, of course, because she's kind of the heir apparent or fighting to be the heir apparent of a company which he works at as an executive. I think, yeah, um, you know, cishet dynamic um, when women earn more the man gets uncomfortable and insecure because it kind of deviates from their um prescribed role gender role so i actually have seen a few real life examples um of situations where women earn more than men and i'll never forget because it's like seared into my childhood memory when i was about 10 or so uh, my parents had these friends who got divorced and i remember it was one of my first sort of experiences with divorce and I asked my mom, well, why did, why are they getting divorced? And my mom just very matter-of-factly deadpan said, well, because she makes more money than him. And, you know, it was like, I clearly it was like very much the source of a lot of like conflict and a lot of probably insecurities that led to a lot of issues in that marriage. But I've also seen situations where uh, in, in, in cishet couples where the women uh, have substantially more financial means than the men. I've actually seen this interesting dynamic play out where they almost like, I can see them like purposely, uh, you know, reaching out to the man to sort of ask him, to prod him to make big decisions, right? To say like, oh, well, he should decide this. And what do you think, darling? You should, you know, you should sort this out because it's like, this is your domain, you know, like, purposely giving the men opportunities to wield and exert their manly power because there is this sort of societal stigma against the emasculated man who is financially dependent on his woman. The scene that I think of is uh, in Crazy Rich Asians where Gemma Chan is playing Astrid and you know before her husband comes like everyone in her household uh, all 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 the help and she are just like frantically hiding her shopping bags to like hide how rich she is so that his ego can take it i know that scene in crazy rich asians that you're talking about you know like this entire like flurry of activity just to not 
like emasculate him or set him off or make him feel like, you know, his earnings weren't enough to buy her her jewelry or her clothes or whatever, right? Um, But what's interesting about those couples is that, you know, we normally, the reason that the, the gendered expectation is that the man is providing the financial security is that usually the woman in the relationship is doing all the other stuff, like the caretaking, the child rearing, the household management, you know, there's this other piece which is heavily gendered uh, for women. But what's interesting is when you see depictions of these couples, right, where the woman is earning more money and she is the breadwinner, she's also still doing all the other stuff. You almost never see a depiction where it's like, okay, she's doing this and he's doing that. So my question whenever I see those depictions is like, what is this guy bringing to the table? And so on some level, they must know it that they're bringing nothing to the table. And that's why there is this like, you know, this, this sort of facade that these women put on to sort of make them feel like, okay, there's some value to you in this situation. I, I also feel that, Carla, though, even in the depictions where I feel like they bring something to the table, even that's threatening to the woman because it's like such an indictment on her identity as a mother, for instance, if the child wants to go and be with them. But it's interesting that you mentioned that... Mm, not so many eyebrows are raised if like the man earns more because that's almost like a societal expectation. And yet there are a lot of anxieties around um, when there is like a wealth gap there because like what happens if a woman marries a man for his wealth? So there's that whole thing of a woman almost having to prove that her intentions are pure and she loves the man for who he is and not for his wealth. And I think you've, we've seen this play out like time and again. We've also done like our first recasting series video on it you can go check it on our youtube channel on the gold digger again it's interesting because when we compare it with the inverse of that where where it's kind of like the the woman comes from fabulous wealth and riches and generational like uh money and there's this man who comes from nothing it's kind of like this really tragic love story it's really like epic and really um there's there's so much depth in it because you know we see that this man is really struggling to be accepted and to win this woman and like a lot of indian movies in general where the 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 hero is kind of like from either like a middle or working class background and the and the heroine is is not and it that's taken much more seriously and it's very like deep and it's like a story about humanity and it's very but then when it's like the woman who's it's a it's it's supposed to be like this frilly uh cute fussy fairy tale uh it's like girly it's like this i don't know um it's just taken less seriously uh in that sense like the inequality of wealth over there um again i think this just goes to show how much gender plays a part money by itself doesn't bring in all of these elements it's only when it intersects when with like other aspects, right? Like gender and yeah, caste and so on. And the gold digger trope is so strong. Like it's so deeply ingrained that it always drives me crazy. Like you were saying, Shristi, right? That the, the woman has to work so hard in that situation to convince people that she has pure intentions, right? But the man never has to work hard to convince people that he doesn't only like her because she's hot or young, or whatever, right? And like, in all of these relationships where there's an imbalance in one arena, there's usually an imbalance in another one, right? That that's, that favors the other person. Because people don't carry on 
human relationships where they're not getting something out of it. I don't mean that with like a with a negative connotation, right? That that people are sort of in this Machiavellian way going and like seeking out something from another person, but just in the sense that why do you engage in a relationship with another human being? Because you enjoy it, because you get something out of it. So to me, there's also this thing of like, why do we presume that if there's a wealth disparity, that there isn't some sort of other disparity in the other direction and that both people are getting something beneficial out of the relationship. Yeah, and, and that's why to me, I think like money matters a lot in relationships, but I think it's also more interesting to think about capital, right? Like what you're talking about, Carla, in terms of like, if even, wow, I think we're going to mention crazy rich Asians a lot today. <laughs> but even in crazy rich Asians, right? Like ultimately Constant Wu's character, Rachel, proves herself because she's like this intellectual overachiever who's able to like hold a conversation with the highest of like the craziest of the crazy rich Asians. Like, so I feel it's also about like social and cultural and intellectual capital and all of these other ways in which you know, you have something that the other person doesn't have, like you said, Carla, or what do you bring to the table? Yeah, and also, I was, I'm just, as you were speaking about this, I was wondering uh, about Crazy Rich Asians and uh, to what extent um, her character is taken seriously because she's, she's an expert in economics, right? Like, do you, like, she literally has a PhD in this thing to have some authority in the matter because otherwise, uh, money is, like, is seen, is, generally perceived to be the domain of men and so irrespective of the financial imbalance between men and women the decision making power always uh, more or less rests with men so that's why you have all of these um, articles and research about how money can uh, ruin marriages even when like the like irrespective of the um, imbalance because there are always conflicts about the decision making aspect of it in terms of who is supposed to know better and because money is seen also as this thing that is essential for your survival, this it, it becomes this zero-sum game where one person has to be right necessarily and the other has to be wrong. And most often, the man is presumed to be right when it comes to matters of money. And this this is even if like women are earning more. But look, haven't you seen this? I mean, this is ingrained in us from the time we were children. Like you hear always people say that like, okay the the man of the household just manages the investments and like a lot of the times even very smart women who are highly educated who have careers will say oh, I just don't know I don't know that stuff like my you know somebody else deals with that like my husband deals with that I don't know I don't know this stuff and um and I think like that's a it's a terrible example to be said for younger generations because obviously people should be financially literate and know exactly where their money is and know exactly what's happening to it but we hear it enough from childhood that it does sort of become ingrained that like the, the management of the household's money is a, is a man's job and a man's responsibility. Yeah, but also like when it comes to um, women asserting this knowledge, it's, it's seen as like a cold or calculated move. Um, like when we speak about maybe prenups, um, if women want to prenup before marriage or during divorce, when, when you're reaching a divorce settlement, if there's more negotiation from like the woman it's seen again as like this um extractive like cold calculated thing that women are doing rather than like a act like a practical um decision about money that men don't have to think twice about usually i think all of these legal mechanisms are set up 
I mean, we need to access so much infra like legal infrastructure just to have the power over making decisions about money and claim some kind of right towards money and finances. But on that note, I I do want to bring in like how less than twenty percent of women are in the paid workforce in the way that it's calculated, and the reality is that um the expectation is for the man in a heterosexual household to earn, and then for the woman to look after the house. So there's like a division like that. Do you think that that equation though is inherently unequal, or is it a problem with how we look at like this is also kind of like a part two or continuation of the discussion we were having last week, which at least made me see like. our ideas of paid work and leisure and unpaid work very differently but do you think that it's important for everybody to be able to earn their money or is it just that if we gave um unpaid care work the kind of value that it actually deserved um not necessarily in monetary terms it could still work out like a setup like that without introducing the kind of inequalities that we see today i have i have a thought but i'm struggling to articulate it right now so i'll need 2 minutes i think one of the reasons we're having so much trouble answering this question is because we can't possibly conceptualize a world where men like do that work like i i can't conceptualize because it seems so invisible to them like they don't know that it exists so you never actually see them performing 90% of it right because that i i just don't i can't imagine it In fact if they start doing it then it would be valued a lot more as in the <laughs> things that i mean it if it's if it's not associated with femininity and women it will not be devalued in the first place so yeah i i can't i literally cannot imagine a world where unpaid labor is is valued more as long as it continues to be gendered Also can we just talk about what it means to earn money like for a household because this has always really bothered me it comes up in the context of divorces all the time right so a woman is let's say a you know a homemaker a stay-at-home mom whatever you want to call it right takes raises the kids deals with the household deals with everything inherent in that which is as we know like it's like four full-time jobs basically and the man is a traditional breadwinner he leaves the house to do paid work outside the home and he brings home a paycheck in that situation in that dynamic according to me the paycheck that gets deposited in the bank account belongs 50% to the woman and 50% to the man or belongs rather to the household to be used by both adults in the household right and i've never understood why society deems that his money like he can only go out and do that job because somebody is buying his groceries, cooking his food, raising his children, going taking them to doctor's appointments, like doing all of this other stuff. That money could not exist. He wouldn't be able to do that job, right? And I remember like this drove me bananas. I know this is like the absolute weirdest example to use because it's like peak 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 privilege, but um Jeff Bezos's divorce, right? When Jeff Bezos got divorced from you know Mackenzie Scott who he had been married to for what 25 years they have four children together he built Amazon during their marriage right also i should revise that statement he maybe they built Amazon while while they were married but the point is is that when they were getting divorced everybody was saying oh she got x amount of his money and that just drove me bananas because there is absolutely no way to tease out how much of what 
he was able to accomplish over the course of 20 years, how much was she relevant? How much were they talking about his work at home? How much was she adding to the discussion? How involved was she in a behind the scenes way in building his business? How much did the growth of his business depend on everything she was doing to hold his life together? That has real value. And at the end of the day, it's not his money. I totally agree with that because I think who we view as the owner of money is really flawed. And I think that introduces an unequal power dynamic. And I think Dildharak Nedo portrays that really well because a woman showing that a woman never has ownership over the money that she's helped earn through Anil Kapoor and Shifali Shah's relationship. But you see that with any kind of networking, which is essential to their business, it's a joint venture. You can see how they network that party on the cruise. They figure out, okay, how are we going to get this alliance done so that we can get this business business partnership sorted? And you see how good she is at that networking, which is really required to keep that business afloat but when it comes to money he can just say oh what do you do you you just like spend all my money you just shop and that even that networking is invisibilized which if he does it at work it has like you know it's valued at crores so yeah it's quite messed up yeah and i mean it's also like into like care labor also involves emotional labor right and supporting somebody through uh, decisions outside the home and and maybe even you know um i'm just like a random example again but i read i read this um thing about first ladies um and their role in politics and how they're seen as as you know like literally just there as a powerful man's wife but then they have a, a really hugely important role to play in diplomacy where when they when they host state dinners and when they negotiate and when when they form an integral part of this this person's um, policy and soft power basically, which is something that we saw with Michelle, which was associated with Mich- Michelle Obama. But yeah, like women play a much much huger role in their husbands' careers than they're often given credit for, and it goes just beyond the also housework and raising the kids and everything. Right? It's also all of these decisions, all of these insights and inputs and everything which just doesn't get uh, accounted for at all because we have no way of even accounting for that kind of labor um at, at least at the very least with with housework you, there is some kind of valuation you can do which figures into the divorce proceedings often as alimony and so on but it, it goes more than that so i would say that if if there's a paycheck that comes in the split arguably should be more than 50 50 there's like because women do do a lot more than just what is visible in the house even by the way you know there's data about the fact this is at least it's us data but there's data about the fact that when men get married so there's a pay disparity anyways between unmarried men and unmarried women but when both men and women get married men almost see this sort of like pay bonus like they end up earning even more they get promoted faster they get pay hikes faster and so there's this like what is called almost like a marriage bonus right where you see because the the perception is that this man is stable he now needs to be a breadwinner he's not going anywhere we can invest in him as like a long-term you know sort of person and so men end up you know the pay gap widens after men after men get married and then it widens again and they get they they see an even greater earning potential after they have children 
right? So unmarried men with no children on average make much less than married men with children. So literally the wife and the children are like contributing to boosting just by virtue of their existence are contributing to boosting the amount of money he can earn. 100%. However, I think in this podcast so far, we've, we've discussed mostly in the relationship of like heterosexual households and romantic relationships and setups like that, right? And I think going from what uh, Rohita, something that you'd said that, hey, is it as much about the money or is it as much about like gender, right? Like it's about how money and gender intersect to impact how a relationship functions. But what about outside of, um, I mean, strictly gendered context in this way, right? Like if you think of a friendship or if you think of a parent-child relationship, do you think money matters there too? I think there's this very popular um, example of like which a lot of people talk about right which is like choosing which place you go to eat and how that can be like this moment of tension for one of your friends which you don't even realize and then um, it's very famous in like friends because because there is this whole fight where they go to this fancy French restaurant and Joey, Rachel and Phoebe who are the poor friends at that point order only the sides um, and there's also this entire movie called Friends with Money where the whole premise is that these people went to school together and they grew up together and then Jennifer Aniston's uh, four friends have become richer than her and she is like a housekeeper in, you know, settings similar to theirs and so she's just shocked at the things that they spend money on like and they're meeting at a charity dinner where she's like, oh my god, like, why don't you just give the money directly? Like, why are you doing this fancy dinner, you know? I think, no, it's... Because in context where gender isn't that apparent, like class and caste and race and everything else become very apparent, right? Like there is some homogeneity in terms of uh, your your socialization, the way you've been brought up, your interests and everything uh, depend on your, your privileges and your background in that sense. So um, as a, I mean, when, when there are fairly... Sorry, wait, I'm struggling to articulate this. But um, but it, it does play a role. Like all of these other factors also play in a, play a role because I you don't see many examples of people who come from different, like wildly different backgrounds who have the same. I mean, the same struggle over there would not be played for laughs because here it's played for laughs because in the Friends example, uh, everybody is, is, is white, is relatively wealthy. They, they can afford to stay in like, really great apartments and it's just that at the moment with their with their source like with their personal income they are not able to spend the same amounts of money but in general they are used to a similar kind of lifestyle so it is funny in the moment because it's it's they everybody knows and is aware that it's just a temporary thing but on the other hand if there is a lifestyle mismatch itself where some one person is more used to spending money on exa- extravagant things and luxury more than another person, I, I think that would impact their relationship as well because it would bring up tensions that go way beyond just money. I think we've pretty much come to the conclusion that money does matter and it matters to a huge extent. But yet, there's also this discomfort with like admitting that it matters I think it's considered uh, like gauche to ad- to openly admit this something like this where, <laughs> uh, but but everyone knows and every everyone is aware that it is an implicit part of decisions like that. But 
it's just not something we can say out loud because it's like why would you address the thing that we are all doing wrong but not wrong per se but that we hold ourselves hold ourselves to a higher standard about because we we act like it doesn't play a role but then you're kind of like by saying that you're kind of exposing the fact that actually money does figure in all of our decisions whether we like it or not it's just i guess an uncomfortable truth that people don't know how to deal with i'm just bringing this up as a counter that do you think that there are equations where money does not matter or do you think that love can sustain without money and i mean love in a broader sense like in any relationship or you know is this a very cynical world view that we're arriving at or propagating but wait no hold on we never said that love doesn't that that like true love doesn't exist or or but or that 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 it cannot be marred by like money issues or concerns i mean of course it can but i think the question is like in a in a relationship in a dynamic between two people or a group of people does this concern never arise does the does this power imbalance never like rear its ugly head of course it does in every relationship and i think the parent child relationship is an especially interesting one to look at because that's supposed to be our societal example of like completely unconditional love right and yet look how many examples we can think of where parents use money as a form of control over their children and even adult children and try to get their children to, you know, behave in exactly the way they want by virtue of dangling of dangling money. That's not what that's not what we hold up as a societal ideal of like parental love. I think the issue is that money the existence of money inherently I think ru- ruins relationships because it's become it is essential to survival. It is a resource and it is something that everybody needs to have um more of all the time which 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 is bound to come in the way of relationships that's why you see also a lot of ugly sibling battles over property and uh you know after after their like their parents die um over the question of inheritance and people have completely broken their relationships over this and it's just i don't know i think it's it's the i think it is a cynical but sadly real thing that we deal with that money does ruin relationships i think yeah okay money can ruin relationships is, is definitely like the note to end on the takeaway is that money will always matter as long as we live with structural inequalities as long as we live with patriarchy classes and classism everything all the isms as usual rohit's conclusion is tear it all down 